Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. His purpose is to conform us, refine us, make us, shape us, so that we're more like Jesus. And sometimes uh, it requires that those things in our lives need to be brought to the surface, subjected to the fire, so that He can then take and remove them and make us more like Jesus in the image of Jesus Christ. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. It can be hard to admit your faults. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that the best you is not your goal, but rather being like Jesus. This should be your objective. Be open to criticism when it's given in love. Take heed to advice. Don't get angry about it. And do your best to continually grow and become more like Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 17 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17 where we'll pick it up and we'll see how far we go. We may, who knows, we might make it through to chapter 18. So, all right, let's jump in. Verse 1, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Oh my goodness, I think about Christmas and all the family drama, the discussions that will ensue over the the feast that's been prepared. Oh, how many times (laughs) have I in my life wished that Man, I'm willing to go out and on the second floor of my house, there's a window that I can climb out, get on my roof, just have a crust, just a crumb, just a, you know, not even a piece of bread, just the the crust of the bread would be better to eat there on the roof than it would be to sit at that table. You know, there's a, actually, and we've talked about this before, there's a cultural dynamic that I think oftentimes here in the United States we really miss and don't understand. You know, in the Middle East, everything is centered around food. (laughs) I know here in Hawaii it's uh, very similar in a lot of ways, but there's a reason for it. There's a bonding that takes place. There's a, a deep meaning in breaking bread at the table with someone. You know, uh, back in 1993, I was just thinking about this, when then President Bill Clinton hosted there on the White House lawn one Yasser Arafat, and won Yitzhak Rabin for the historic signing of the Oslo Peace Accords. And there on the White House lawn on a sunny September day, the two leaders 
shook hands. It was kind of awkward a little bit, but they shook hands. You know what that meant for the so-called Palestinians? Nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. You know how they would seal a deal or agree to a covenant? By breaking bread. That's how they would do it. That was the significance of it. Everything is centered around, and by the way, and we've talked about this before, and I won't take too much time to go into it, but every time we partake together as a church of the communion table, we are celebrating this common union, communion. And the thought in that culture, as it is to this day, is that the same bread that is in you is in me. We are one. It unites us. That same cup, and this is what they would do, is they would eat from the same bread that they would break and give to the other. They would drink from the same cup and then give it to the other, because the idea was that what is in you is in me. It makes us one. I think about, in fact, my daughter and I are going through the Bible together, and we are, uh, there's a great app, and it's an audio Bible that kind of dramatizes it a little bit. And uh, it's especially for, you know, people like me that, you know, kind of need that. And it really just comes alive. And so we're in Genesis, and we're at that part where God cuts covenant with Abraham. Now, I said it that way for a reason. God cut covenant with Abraham. Abraham did not cut covenant with God. This is, by the way, where we get our modern day saying of, hey, let's cut a deal. Do you realize that that actually comes from the book of Genesis? So here's how they would cut covenant or make a deal. They would take and get these animals and kill them and cut them. And this is pretty graphic, but they would take those cut up animals with the blood that was shed from those animals, and they would place them around, and they would, the two parties agreeing to the covenant, cutting covenant, would walk amongst the cut up animals that have been sacrificed. And the oath was, the covenant was, may what has happened to these animals happen to me if I break this covenant. That's where we get the word cut a deal. They would cut covenant. So what's really interesting is at the time that God appears, He puts Abraham into a deep sleep so that when God comes and walks amongst the cut animals to cut covenant, Abraham is asleep. The point being is, is that you cannot break a covenant that you didn't agree to. This is the covenant that God made, and it is an unbreakable covenant. And it's always centered around the food, the animals, the cutting of the covenant. Verse 2, a wise servant 
will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. I've actually witnessed this many years ago, long before I got into the ministry. You know, the, the, the heir apparent, the son would usually be the one to inherit the business. Well, in this case, there was someone else, not the son, who was very wise, the son, unfortunately and sadly, very foolish. And so when it came time to pass that business on, guess what? The son didn't get it. The wise servant did. And he was the one that shared in the inheritance among the brothers. Verse 3, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Isaiah 48.10 is a very disturbing verse in the Bible. You know what it says? It says that God has chosen the furnace of affliction to refine us, to test us. Just as the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, He has chosen to use the furnace of affliction to refine us, purify us, as Peter says, Our faith is like that gold that is refined and purified by the fire. You know, interesting, the goldsmith knows that the gold is pure when he sees his image reflected in that purified gold. And the only way the goldsmith is going to see his image reflected in that purified gold is by subjecting that gold to that intense heat in that fire. Because in that fire, all of the impurities, all of the dross comes to the surface. And then the goldsmith, because of the fire, then takes and removes the dross from the gold and that purifying process. And this is what God does with us. He tests us. He refines us. He allows us to go into the fiery furnace of affliction, those fiery trials in our lives, not to burn us, but to refine us and to make us more like Jesus. You know that famous verse in Romans 8.28 that we love to quote and memorize and sing, for we know that God works all things together for the good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. That calling according to His purpose, what is His purpose? His purpose is in the next verse, verse 29. His purpose is to conform us, refine us, make us, shape us, so that we're more like Jesus. And sometimes (laughs) uh, it requires that those things in our lives need to be brought to the surface, subjected to the fire, 
so that He can then take and remove them and make us more like Jesus in the image of Jesus Christ. And we're also told that we are His workmanship. Very interesting word in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's the Greek word poema where we get poem in English. We are His work of art. We are His craftsmanship. And what's really interesting is when the artist finishes that work of art, this magnificent work of art, the artist will put his name on that work of art. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing in our lives. Because the name is the nature to make us more like Jesus. Verse 4, an evildoer gives heed to false lips, a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. (laughs) Think about this. You've got the one that is listening to, giving heed to false lips, and then you've also got this eagerness as a liar to listen to what's coming out of the false lips, the false witness, the false testimony, the lies, the accusations, the insinuations, the gossiping, the rumors. We're going to see that come up again in this chapter as well as the next chapter. Verse 5, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. What is it about us in our sinful nature, innate within us, in our human nature, that rejoices when somebody is suffering? You know, Jesus said, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes I think we rejoice with those who weep and we weep when those rejoice. Something about us in our sin nature. And what this is saying is that if you're going to rejoice and be glad at somebody else's misfortune and calamity, know for a certainty that it will not go unpunished. Verse 6, I like this verse. I don't know about this verse yet. Some of you do. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. In other words, grandchildren are the bomb. Oh, I know I shouldn't use the word bomb, but I think you get the point, right? I've heard this about grandchildren from grandparents. It's like, oh my goodness, my grandchildren, way better than my children. It's kind of like, do your children know that you just said that? I mean, well, one thing about the grandchildren is you can enjoy them and then you can give them back. And there's another thing about grandchildren. I only know this theoretically. If the Lord tarries, maybe I'll know this in reality. But here's the thing about grandchildren. You know, as parents, you said this. I know I've said it. You wait until you have children of your own. My mom used to say that to me in her thick accent, high-pitched voice. She would say, well, he don't, 
You wait till you have children of your own. Then you will understand. And I'm like, yeah, 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 mom, whatever. And then I did. And then I remembered. (laughs) She warned me. And then I think to myself, oh my goodness, I gave her such a hard time. I was such a rotten scoundrel of a kid. And now I have children, and now I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end and on the other end of that. And so there's almost like a sanctified satisfaction when, I've only heard this again, I'm just, you know, sharing with you what's been shared with me from grandparents about how they just really enjoy watching their children with their grandchildren. They just kind of sit back. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it's, anyway, I'm just enjoying that too much. Verse 7, excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. You know, somebody who is foolish, don't ever expect the words that come out of their mouth to be wise or have really any value. Verse 8, A present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. I think this speaks to one valuing that which is of value and appreciating. And that's where I believe the prosperity comes, because it didn't come easy, and you appreciate the value of that which you possess. Verse 9, this is a biggie. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Now we talked about this last week, and again, this is one of those recurring themes, these repeated truths throughout the book of Proverbs, where it keeps coming up over and over again repetitively. But when you hear about what someone has done or said, and it's not good, pray for them. Don't talk about them to others. It's, it, it carries with it the idea of, you know, love covering a multitude of sins. I mean, if you really love that person, you're going to want to protect them and not spread rumors about them. Don't repeat the matter, because what's going to happen is you're going to, this is the reality of it. What people say about others is what they become in our minds. Let me explain that just a little bit. You know this notion of guilty till proven innocent? The truth of the matter is, it's not innocent until proven guilty, it's guilty until proven innocent. Here's an example. Someone comes to you and says, hey, did you hear? Oh man, when you hear anyone start with those words, did you hear? Run. Sometimes we're, we're really clever in how we couch it in spiritual terms. Hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. What? What happened? Oh, 
Yeah, they're not doing good. They're having marriage problems. They are. Yeah, we need to pray for them. Don't do that. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to come to church that next week, and that couple that you just heard that matter repeated, you'll never look at them the same way again. I mean, it may very well be that their marriage is fine. But for the rest of your life, that's the way it is, and that's why it is. You'll never look at them the same again. So let's say they hold hands, or he opens the door for her in the parking lot, and you're looking at, look at that, they're putting on an act. No, that's what happens. We, we pronounce them guilty. We're judge, jury, and we pronounce the verdict guilty as charged. It's an assassination of one's character. We're actually going to be talking about this if I move a little bit faster. Verse 10, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. In other words, don't waste your time. You're trying to correct a fool, don't bother. You can correct him all you want. He's not going to heed the correction. And conversely, you just one time rebuke a wise man, they'll receive that rebuke, take heed to that warning, and they'll thank you for it. How about that? How rare is that? To have somebody that is so teachable, so humble, that you can say to them, you know, this is a blind spot in your life, and I love you enough to share with you, and I think you have the spiritual maturity and the wisdom to receive this from me. And I, I only share it with you because of my love for you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't bother. It's that proverb, I love this proverb, the wounds of a friend are faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You're my friend. If you'll tell me the truth in love, you're not my friend if you only tell me what I want to hear because you want me to like you, you don't want me to get angry at you. Sometimes we run the risk of a friendship. We put in jeopardy that friendship when we take the risk and say, and by the way, it's Galatians 6, you need to do it with humility, gently, lovingly, in love, because of love. You know, I, I really care about you, but I, I see you going in this direction. I just want to tell you that how it ends is not good. And I just, I want to, it's a rebuke in love. And if that person is wise, they will receive it and it will be effective. The words of wisdom the book of Proverbs provides weren't meant to only be applied to life in the author's time. They were also meant to benefit generations to come, including you. All ages and walks of life can benefit from this book in this modern world. Proverbs gives you practical advice for living a life that's pleasing to your Creator. It also shares insight for ways to interact with others to not only show love, but to model Jesus. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from Proverbs when you join us next time on In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from Pastor J.D. at our website, 
in spiritandtruthradio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and even download our mobile app. This is a great way to keep Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you wherever you go, and even share them with others. You'll find a link to download at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these updates on our mobile app or on our website. One more time, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you've been encouraged by this teaching in Proverbs and that you'll continue to study them on your own. Tune in next time for more right here on In Spirit and Truth. Oh.